Boss. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? <laughs> so I almost started the show with, hit me with your best mods. Come bum, on, bum, and you hit me with your best mods. I thought that, I mean, I didn't want to throw day. off our rhythm of the Hey Mods, Hey Danny. Yeah, it, we're going 22 episodes strong of Hey Mots, Hey yeah. Danny. So which is which don't is really more wanna... consistent than I've been in anything in my life ever. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I you know, 22 episodes, uh, 22 of anything. I mean, I that that's it. That's my record. I should you know drop the mic and retire right now. And the podcast is done. 22 and we're done, people. 22 and we're done. That's it. And we were talking well, before the podcast, and and you know I don't think that we should let people not know what we're talking about before the podcast <laughs> but we were just talking about harry styles you know harry styles i you know he's the one and only uh member of one direction that i know harry styles yeah and um lead talking about boy bands i i thought that we would make a great boy band because mm-hmm. you put me and you on stage i mean that's maybe not a boy band that's maybe like a boy couple but we we would right. be pretty awesome <laughs> Yeah, no, we both would would fill those roles. Like, I'd be kind of the, you know, a little bit over the top at times. Like, people wonder if any of the other members in the band even like him guy, right? <laughs> you'd be the guy with, like, the talent who, like, is kind of carrying it. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be the Justin Timberlake. I'd be the JC, you there know, you of, of yeah. this insane. And, um, and then we'd get a couple of our buddies. Uh, we'd get Luke to be kind of the guy that just kind of nods in the back maybe his shoulders roll a little bit every once in a while like waves his hands at the camera in support of something that i just said that kind of thing but yeah but then like, like when you poll all the fans like girls love him and like nobody even knows why like that that would be his role yeah i never understood so. that there's always that one guy or girl from the the boy or, or girl band or like they're like they're not even the main there's like off in the back right corner and then even in the right. album covers are like off in a distance like looking but like right. you can't even make out their face and they're like number one right no did they did it. they wander on set or are they really a part of the band like <laughs> that person are they fixing <laughs> the light up in the ceiling or right that's the shoulder well, we live in a world of that you know people light. are people are famous for reasons that you don't even know why i mean that is our world right people are famous because they want to be famous now and it's not even you know that's, that's the world we live in man it is a world we live in it's crazy i mean i think as i'm watching like kind of the other type of celebrities unfold like out in the world like it's kind of like all sorts of just different things that i never would have imagined you know who who would have thunk that that the internet this inner tubes of webs would make so many people famous i know no, it really is. And it's, we we talked about it before where my 11-year-old said he wants to be a YouTuber, you know, uh, uh, and I, you know, I've had to be like, put the kibosh on that because that just means he wants to play video games all day. But he basically told, <laughs> he told his mom, he's like, well, that's what dad does. Dad just plays a game for a living. And he's kind of right, right? I mean, I'm obviously super fortunate, but... But I've told him, I said, you have to understand, like, I sort of fell into this by being really good at a specific niche thing. Like, I, you know, it's amazing to think that you and I will remember the first time in our life where we said, what's YouTube? I remember someone talking about, you know, when when, uh, Lazy Sunday started to go viral. It was one of the first few videos that made YouTube to the general world, right? Some people knew about it, but I remember someone being like, oh, have you seen that video? I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, just look it up. It's on YouTube. And I remember saying, like, all of a sudden, it's like a flashback, dun-dun-dun, what's YouTube? That's what I said. And, you know, nowadays, it's not even a thing. Yeah, it's just it's a place that you go to stream things, to watch series. I mean, they have their own shows. It's crazy. I remember that. I mean, I remember essentially YouTube being 
I mean, it was just all cat videos and, and like little tiny, not even right. cat videos. I don't even think there were, it was that yet. I don't even know. It was just people like, this guy's like, I have a camera and like, look at, like I'm driving right. my car. And people like, thought cool. it was kind of silly. And st- I remember all, I don't even remember saying what's YouTube. I remember saying what's Facebook. I remember being wow. like, what's MySpace? I, you know, I remember all that. But, you know, there are a few videos that stick out that you remember, right? There's, I think, Lazy Sunday was one of the first ones that made YouTube. There's, there's Charlie Bit My mm-hmm. Finger, right, which, which kind of became. And, and there was a third video, too, that I remember. I read some blog about it one time, the ones that, you know, the videos that made YouTube YouTube, yeah. you know. I think that. And although some people are like, oh, God, you can be famous. <laughs> You can be famous because you accidentally recorded your kids doing something cute. Yeah, and then that, that's what it all became, right? There was all like literally all these videos of people trying to upload silly, cra- crazy things to it. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, the video game mm-hmm. thing happened. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos analyzing YouTube, which is kind of a, a very meta thing to do. Um, and it's quite interesting. Right. Was, yeah. <laughs> YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, no, that's great because we even have those channels that do that for chess.com events. And, and at certain points... I think in our earlier days, in our in our uh, sort of um, in our youth, I'll say our our, ch- our youth understanding of content on the web and what it really what the purpose in of it was. In my younger think, and more vulnerable years, like that. Yeah, in my younger days, I can tell you the first time I was upset to see my content on somebody else's. I could channel. only stream that um, video but, at a hundred and sixty p. I remember the sound of dialogue. Anyway. Um, no, but I remember the first time, just in terms of, you know, as, as a company that, as a person, I, I personally am not a huge fan of what social media has, has done in, in ways I, as raising children in this world, I'm always on the edge of my seat in regards to um, the risks and all those things. But I won't get into that right now, um, though I did just have my kids watch this video, you know, the video, um, Look Up? No. Have you ever seen this no, video? Seen Look this Up. Video. Oh, I got to share it then. Oh, it's great. You're going to love it. It's a four or five minute video. This very creative poet uh, wrote sort of a poem rap song kind of about why you need to look up uh, from your phone mm-hmm. and, and not get down. I won't even ruin it for you because it has such a sad and like really heartfelt ending. So I, um, so I'm not even going to say anything else, even though I really wanted to. But so I had my kids watch this video and I'm, I'm definitely on the edge of my, of my, seat in regards to it's weird because i'm in that one percent right i'm in that like top even 0.1 percent of internet users who understands exactly not only what social media is but i literally leverage it for a living right i'm playing the bigger chess game on the wedge uh, on the wedge no the web like monetizing i mean i i my company applies an ltv which is a lifetime value to every one of uh the users that reach us through all the different uh portals and platforms i mean i know what chess.com's ltv of a member who signs up through facebook of a member who signs up through a paid Google ad, of a member who signs up through an organic search for chess. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm literally leveraging and monetizing how to get people into my into chess. Now, I sleep at night because I think we offer a great product. Um, <laughs> you know, chess is a good game. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I think it, it, there's a ton of benefits. But the truth is, I'm in that, like, top tier who understands how to leverage content on the web, and I still hate social media, you know? And... Anyway, sorry to go on a tangent that we that we didn't expect, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I I get worried about the the dangers of the web and and my kids wanting to be YouTubers and really because that's just an excuse to play video games in mom's basement for the rest of their life. <laughs> well, I will say if they would have seen this video that you sent me and Luke this weekend, that was down in the Phoenix. Um, I need to set this up, okay, people. So we <laughs> talked a little bit about Danny got a little surprise package, and I was down in the valley in phoenix this weekend um, having some fun with with mom and, and luke and everyone and uh i got this video 
well, we, we attempted to get this video because I don't have an iPhone, so it wouldn't come through. So he sent it to Luke, and it was this um, big, burly, he must, he must have done like CrossFit or something. I'm just <laughs> imagining. Right. Well, um, probably, very, very, he works, he, out. he works out. Definitely works out because I could see because he was not only churning and attempting to grind his coffee, but he was also shirtless and it was glorious. So that's how I woke up on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so full disclosure. Okay, I mean, let's be honest. I don't look like I work out like I'm ripped. Believe everybody. I, I'm clearly. I have a. You know, I'm not a small guy, but you know, I've also got some chub to me. So there's no definition to these abs. Don't worry about it. But um, what happened was, you know, Mott's got me all this great coffee setup, and then Mott's being the angel that he is for everyone who doesn't know that. Uh, if you haven't, you know. If you haven't realized that yet, that James Montemagno is literally an angel or a saint in his past life. I don't know what it is, but Mott's, Mott's also got me some awesome coffee. So I've got brand new, just like super high mm -hmm. quality beans. I'm home on a weekend. I didn't stay down in Phoenix like I wanted to so I could see you. I had to, I had to bring the kids up. We had kind of a crazy week um, last week. And, and so I decided, I was like, Nash, I grabbed my oldest son. I'm like, Nash, dude, film me making coffee so Mott's knows how much I appreciate this gift. This gift. A, a gift and gift. It should be In fact, gift. it should be a gift. It could be a gift. Um, but I, anyway, so I grinded the beans and I made the coffee and I boiled it in the awesome new tools you got me, which we linked everybody to in the last podcast. And then, and then looked at the video and realized I sent it. And yeah, I'm, I'm totally shirtless. You can see my underwear too. Like I've got my short, I clearly rolled out of bed and said, I'm going to make yeah, coffee. It was my favorite part. It. it was, it was, it was the, Actually, I wasn't really surprised that you were topless in the video. <laughs> I was surprised that you were having your son be like, hey, hey, film me, film me, film me do this real quick. And he's just like, Dad, are you sure you want to, do you want to put on some clothes maybe? No, because we don't need clothes where great coffee comes from. No, yeah, I, uh, I brought right. the family back some right. Cafe Vita, which is a pretty great roaster up over here. And I think you got like the espresso blend, so it'd probably been pretty rich. But I will say my favorite backup after that was that you tweeted a photo of yourself um, with that cup of coffee. You were clothed, though, in this photo. I mean, I think about tweeting all kinds of funny, weird stuff like, you know, but my wife gets mad at me because like she doesn't want me to doesn't want me to tweet weird things of us in bed. You know, I don't know. Just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, anyway, it was it was fun. Yeah, I love the photo though because you're, you know, I want people to imagine. I already, I've already linked it to the show notes, but you're kind of like looking down a little bit. So you got the, you got the, you know, little, little, little roll right there, and then you got like this eyebrow rolled up like over here, and then you're like, there's a forest behind you. And then I tweeted back and I said, I can only assume by oh, yeah. that face it tastes delicious. Oh, it does. And, and no, I, I, every time I tuck my neck, I got like a, I got more than a triple chin. I've got one of those chins where. Because the Just problem, that's been part of the problem of working out is like, like, you know, I, I haven't lost my neck. I have a neck. Okay. So I'm, maybe I'm not a giraffe, but you know, I have a defined neck, but you know, you know, you bend and I always think I look a little chubby on camera, which is fun, but um, look adorable. anyways, it was a lot of fun. I love the coffee. Again, it was amazing. That's really all that's new with me, but I want to know what's new with you. Cause you've been saying how you have, you've had a crazy life. You visited us in Phoenix. But what's what's going on with you right now? You're just you're all over the place. 
it's, it's starting to get into the crazy season. We have a bunch of conferences up upcoming. So I was down in Phoenix, but that was more for just kind of personal stuff and hung out with Luke and and mom and things like that and Diana and everyone that's down over there in Mesa town. And um, that was super good. We got to, uh, you know, meet up with some friends. It's always a fun time to go down to Phoenix where it's 108,000 degrees. Um, right. And, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I have a lot of travel upcoming. I'm about to head to, I want to lay this down for you so you can wrap your head around this craziness okay, that's happening. Okay, I'm ready. So I'm going to be heading first to Chicago uh, next week. Okay, Chi-Town. Um, Shy Town. So I'm there for a conference, but also seeing Hamilton. Just saying. Mm. What you you you're seeing it? Seeing it in person, really happening. It's a real thing. It's awesome. Yeah, we that we bought so tickets awesome. 17 months ago. As someone who is so against pirating, like I actually get mad at my <laughs> wife and kids when they found pirating of like the original Hamilton on the web, which those YouTube channels always get taken down and then they re-upload yeah. the video, right? Like I'm very against pirating. I work in the software industry, but like, will you illegally film that for me? And then- <laughs> Yeah, I will, yeah, you know? I mean- I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I'm gonna be there, Hamilton, but immediately after I fly to Orlando, we have a big conference Ignite. After Orlando, I fly back on a Wednesday. On Thursday, I leave for Paris, okay? I come back from Paris a week later, I have a big charity event where we're doing a hackathon for like all sorts of um, different businesses and, and organizations, nonprofits. Then I fly to Anaheim and then I'm in Anaheim for a conference. I fly back then I do a Latin America tour where I'm going to Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, and Chile. That's my September, I, like, October. I, I'm pretty sure I, I... I blacked out at Colombia, or I blacked out somewhere along the way. Argentina, maybe. I mean, that was amazing, and yeah. um, like, it's crazy. I don't even know what to say, but no. So you go from Windy City to Disney to just all over the all place, over the but place. it's it's amazing. What are you doing in Paris? You didn't. You skipped that. You said you were coming home for a charity event, but what are you doing in Paris? So Paris. Well, we're gonna do a like a little three day holiday out there. But then I have a a big Microsoft oh, okay. conference. So I have a big Microsoft conference I'm presenting at, um, in front of thousands of people in France, and then I'm gonna do a bunch of customer meetings and things like that too. So like I go out for these events that I do, cool. a kind of like State of the Mobile Union. You know what I mean? And uh, then I State of the Mobile State of the Mobile Union. <laughs> And uh, do that. That would you would be the guy who we would want to present that. In fact, can State of the Mobile Union be our boy band name? Yes, yes, it already is. It's already I registered at dot com. Yeah, State of the Mobile Union. State of the Mobile Union. Yep, there you go. Um, that's that's a great that's a great phrase. Um, I bought my brother. Speaking of random domains, State of the Mobile Union. I brought my brother funnygolfguy.com because he plays golf. Yeah. And I thought Funny Golf Guy is a great name, and no one took it .com. yet because he's gonna like he plays golf and he makes fun of golfers. <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway, I thought that was a good. That's a anyway, sorry, YouTube random name. random digression there. That's great YouTube. Like yeah, funnygolfguy.com. Funny Golf Guy. Yeah, this is an early seed being planted, so everyone everyone can watch out. For now that. I got to ask you a question because I wrote a review this weekend, our first ever blog entry. We told people we we're gonna do it. We did it of the December coffee dripper, which is what you received. And I know that you watched my amazing YouTube video and read this review and you made, and you're brewing your coffee using the fellow pour over. You have some a Cafe Vita beans. You're using the December coffee dripper right. system. How was it? How was the experience? First of all, what was funny is I'm, I'm in the 
I'm, you know, I joked about being in, in the top 1% about leveraging social media. I'm in the lowest 1% about figuring out how to use basic like tools, okay? So I had the December dripper hooked up. I'm grinding my, uh, hand grinding by the way, and I've got the motion. I'm, I'm hand grinding it up. You're awesome, Cafe Vita, you got me. I'm boiling it all up, it's going great. And then I've, I've got it all set up in, uh, you know, I've got my December dripper on top of the coffee cup and I put the coffee in there and I'm about to start pouring and I'm like, wait, like what did I set it to? Do I have it on the three holes in the fast or do I have it on like the one hole? And I'm, tr you know, this is what I do, Mutz. I'm, I'm trying to look down through the coffee to see if I can see the holes, okay? So I'm... <laughs> I'm trying to look. I'm trying to look through the coffee to see if I can see the holes in the December coffee dripper. Then I'm like, then I'm like wondering, should I lift it up and look through the bottom? Look through the bottom, and I think I can see through the bottom how many holes are open or not because you got the light action on the dark, like the way the light works. And it took. It takes me a legitimate like three to five minutes to figure out that it's very easy to tell because the December coffee dripper thought of the lowest one percent in terms of IQ. That being me. Um, <laughs> I mean, it takes a top one percenter in terms of leveraging social media to be in the lowest one percent of IQ. And I, I figured out that the December coffee dripper, but I figured this out like this is like in the field experience. It has a great measurement system right on the side of it where it tells you right where you're lined up, how fast the holes are, stage one, stage two, stage three. Um, stage zero if you want to start at zero. So I, I recommend everybody reads your review. Um, and I did actually read it after you linked me to it and uh, we uh, earlier today. And so it, it's phenomenal. Honestly, like I think Mott's like this thing is so useful. I started wondering if it would eliminate the need for the swan neck pour because now that you can measure the drip flow, the how fast the water comes into the coffee is less relevant, right? Because you can create the bloom factor of these coffee grinds naturally um, without without worrying about how the water hit the uh, the, the, the 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 grinded up beans. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that because I'm I'm just becoming the coffee snob that you've been for years, right? I'm working toward it. But am I right about that? I mean, this December coffee dripper is so amazing. It's it's uh, it's so easy to measure the flow of how of how the water boils and and blooms the coffee that I, I mean it's it's fantastic honestly yeah I will say that I'm a little bit jealous because I don't have the fellow um, Swan Neck kettle but the one thing that's really nice about that is it actually tells you the temperature of the water on top which is really cool now. I'm getting the electric version of that next, but I have the normal version. And you're you're a little bit right. I think I think that if you're using the December dripper, then what I do is I start and you watch my video. I, I brew it just like I brew at home. Because I actually brew a cup of coffee for the review, which I think is kind of cool. And I started at zero, and you just pour a little bit of wa of water in there, and it blooms up, right? And it's just good. And then I change it to one, two, or three based on how much I'm making. And what's kind of interesting about that is that, yeah, you just kind of, it's so so much control that you're not really doing stuff to it. The nice thing with the swan neck is that what I like to do, and you'll see me in the video is, so I pour a little bit in there, let it bloom up, and then I do this thing called, it's called waking up, like waking it up. So normally what I do is from bloom, I I zigzag it back and, back and forth. So I'll start on one end and I'll kind of like, go back and forth in a motion and like zigzag the water back right. and forth Swan to neck. wake I mean, it up. You're, you're massaging, massaging, you're massaging the roast. You're massaging. Yeah, yeah. 
was given a nice You're hitting the right on. pressure points right exactly it's yeah. like you know because it's it had a hard job blooming and i wanted to just cool and just get to it right and then i just start swirling but i mean uh, you probably mm -hmm. i mean this you might as well get the swan neck because why not because if you're brewing in other methods then i don't know whatever but no and i wasn't trying to talk bad against any swan neck needs or those who have or have not a swan neck device but i was just saying that Part of, yeah, well, part of the key thing is that you, you really you do that because you really want to control how quickly the water hits the, the grinds, everybody. I can, I can offer that pro tip at the very least, even being the, the, lesser, the lesser guy on this, uh, on this uh, coffee snob totem pole. You know, you want, you want it to bloom slowly. You want to get that, 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 that aroma, everything that happens in that first initial process, and then that little action you described, the crisscross, the swirl. It really is important how fast the water hits the, hits the, uh, the, the grinds, right? And and that controls kind of how well the, the coffee kind of roasts and it just everything that happens in that process, the, the whole brewing aspect of it. So with the control of how quickly the flow happens, it really does make it, okay, it's less critical. The swan neck is still incredibly important, but it's less critical because you can really make sure that a little bit of water goes a long way um, when you're controlling how quickly the water leaves the uh, the December coffee dripper. Yeah, absolutely. I know you're right. You're right. You're definitely right. I'm going to now try it with our other other one and give it a back and forth kind of go at it. Um, <laughs> right. Give it a, <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. We've talked a lot about coffee. I love this. We're really living up to our coffee house wonders name. I mean, this is the most coffee talk we've had. Coffee talk. Coffee. When you're making a cup of coffee, is, you want to talk about it over a nice, talk a nice game of chess. We should. We should have a little coffee talk. That's our next blog. Our next video blog is talking over with a cup of coffee. Um, but seriously, I, I know that we, we talk a lot about what's new. We talk a lot about um, you know what's happening, my coffee life being improved, you writing blogs. But what we haven't talked about yet is why technology is ruining our lives. And there were some big things that happened in the world of tech this week, but I'm going to let you you take the uh, wheel here and, and drive our listeners to that. Yeah, I'd like to really say that um, all eyes this week were not on Carl Magnuson. They were on Apple. <laughs> they were on they are on Apple and seeing how well of a game if That's they could right. do a mating net around the mobile mobile arena. How am I blending this chess and technology conversation? Is, oh, I, you had me at mating net. I, I mean, I almost fell out of my chair, but that, that was good. So Tim, Tim Cook opened with a strong E4. And what was great about this mm -hmm. move that Tim played is that they were in the brand new Steve Jobs Theater. And if people don't know what the heck I'm talking about, mm -hmm. is Apple unveiled some new phones. Everyone knew it was already. It was trending on everything in the world because everyone has an iPhone. It's right. just, it was everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And no... On, on Merge Conflict, the other podcast I do with Frank, next week we're going to break down everything. So if you want more, go to mergeconflict.fm. We're going to do a whole episode on this thing. But it was really interesting. So they did a whole bunch of new stuff on the watch, on Apple TV, now in 4K, which is cool. I don't have a 4K TV, so I still don't care. But all eyes were on the new iPhone because we have the iPhone 7 right, right now. And natural progression would be iPhone 7S. Right. Because it's five, five S, six, six S. Right, right. Just the seven, way it's following, following previous patterns. Apple says no iPhone eight. We're already right. one better, and this thing basically looks like the iPhone seven S. It's it's basically looks like an iPhone, 
and right. it has your touch ID. It's a beautiful. It's glass on both sides. It's very. It's very beautiful. It's, it looks like one of the best designed iPhones yet. I'm sure it's smaller, sleeker, faster. It's built for AR and all the new AR stuff that's going on. But there was rumors and leaks. Apple just can't stop leaking stuff. Um, the, the core was was leaking, and they announced. They said no iPhone nine, iPhone ten, just iPhone ten. That's the next one. <laughs> And I mean, uh, it's actually iPhone X, which is very similar to OS X, but it's right. Mac OS X, actually. That's how you pronounce it, not OS X. And this thing, whoo, this is the iPhone that Johnny Ives has always wanted to create. And uh, it's a thing of beauty. It is full edge to edge besides the big weird hump in the beginning and the top of it. But, I mean, there's no button. It uses all facial recognition um, to do the unlocking, no more Touch ID. They call it Face ID. Did you watch this? Did you see this demo? I, I, I watched all of it. Yeah, and I was, I despite the price tag, despite the fact that I I have a bit of initial, whatever, whatever that is, call it skepticism, skepticism, call it wanting to vomit in the back of your throat when you know a lot of this new stuff comes out. Like, all right, what the heck, right? All the hype. I was yeah. impressed. I really was. Yeah. I mean. Despite all of my, those are my initial tendencies. I was like, "Wow, this is actually something new," um, yeah. and it looks crazy. It looks crazy. The um, people are really worried about the face ID in general. Apparently, it's a one million to one that someone could spoof your face, which is better than Touch ID, which is one in fifty thousand, apparently. Um, but this is real true hmm. depth camera system, so it's not just like a photo, right? It's actually doing depth detection and doing. It has machine learning built into the chipset with a it's bananas and go talk about that. But my favorite thing has to be the animojis. The animojis. Who doesn't want to be a panda or a monkey? This is my new favorite thing, and I hate iOS, but I love this. Yeah, yeah, I I do. I want to be a honey badger. A honey badger. That's my actually my spirit animal. Animal as I described in Chess TV today on Chess TV show is a is a crippled wolf. Like, uh, he's a wolf, but he knows how to play chess, but he hurt himself in, like, an old chess injury, like, pushing a pawn too fast. So that's my spirit animal. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, it was an old chess injury that's been biting him since he, you know, played chess too fast. But my, despite the, my spirit animal, I think that most people's spirit animal is not, you know, not so uh, so odd. But, um, no, seriously, this phone is, this phone is crazy. I I want to be an animal. I want to be uh, recognized by my phone as far as my face goes. I also want the opportunity to try to trick the phone. I'm going to see if I can do it. Um, but, yeah, this is, I mean, are, are, is $1,000 even a thing anymore for Apple? Like, Apple doesn't care what things cost, and apparently neither do so their I think, consumers. I think, I think the thing is they said, here's the iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone ever. And then we said, we want to make something right. for the diehards, the next gen, the people that want the cutting edge that have been dying for the what's new. Because I think if you look at the evolution of iPhone or just mobile phones, you, like it was it was like a premium, it's still a premium product, but a premium exclusive product. Now the iPhone 10 will mm -hmm. be that exclusive premium product that not everyone's going to have. More people will definitely get the iPhone 8 than the 8X. And it also comes out later too, so it comes out later this year. Now right. I will say the downfall why this is ruining is that Heather and I had tr we had plans, we had big plans to make the T-Mobile jump. I don't know what carrier you're on, but we are on different carriers, and we were going to make that union, that special union in one's um, 
and their partner's life where they lock themselves into a phone carrier on a contract together. That is a big, <laughs> that's a big deal. That is, that is the only union that still matters in today's day and age. I, I do agree in. with that. Um, once you're locked, locked in, in, I mean, because I've had I've had siblings locked into my phone uh, to my phone bill, and I still can't get rid of them. So it it is a real union. So just you know, I'm glad you know you got the right I one. I did. Um, I'll the, say the that. The problem but, uh, <laughs> is, are you ready? Okay. That the iPhone 8 or 8 or iPhone 10 will not support T-Mobile's brand new, super fast, blazing hot LTE advanced network, which is sad. Which so is, it's like, why even bother? Why even I, throw it away? It's it's already outdated. Those things are always temporary, though. I I feel. Yeah. I feel like. I mean, maybe the next gen of the iPhone X, you know, supports it or whatever. I, I worry less about that, but I'm also, it's irrelevant to me because switching carriers is not really an option where I'm at. I mean, it's, it's Verizon, it's, it's you go V or you go home um, because yeah. uh, AT&T and T-Mobile just gotcha. don't have the same, they don't have the same, uh, you know, remote aspects of, of the country, of the world uh, coverage. It's, it's really true. But, but in big cities, yeah. that's irrelevant. And you're, you're a big city traveler. So um, I'm a big city but, traveler. I like the international aspect of it. Um, big red is uh, I'm, I'm over it, you know, um, but whatever works for you, I say. But yeah, I think you're right. I think Apple is just like, you know, there's a price tag. People will pay it. Here it is. They made some really nice smart moves, though. The minimum gig is 64 gig because we've advanced from the 32 gig or the 8 gig. Right. You know, everyone's got photos. And these things right. are doing crazy things. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. But you know what I'm really excited for, Danny? What's that? Um, is our man Carl Magnuson? <laughs> our Carl man is, Carl is tearing apart the chess world in many ways that you have alluded to, because Carl likes to play chess. That's right, he does. Carl is a uh, well in this. Um, in this week's section of, of why doesn't chess matter, chess matters in a big way. But I first have to clarify, Carl did not tear it up in Tbilisi at the World Cup. We were talking about how exciting that event is and uh, his potential opportunity to exploit a loophole by winning the World Cup and getting an automatic berth into the candidates tournament, where hence uh, forthwith, if he won, he would play himself. So unfortunately, that, that potentially awesome, tragic, dark comedy is not going to happen because um, he was knocked out. He was upset. At the uh, at the World Cup, he lost, which happens even to the best players. I mean, honestly, the chance of winning a knockout tournament it's it's like being a one seed in in the March Madness event, right? We've talked about this. It's just it's like it's crazy anyway because there's so many so much luck that goes into such a short format where even if you're the better player, you know, you get caught in one bad line or you get out prepared in one weird opening, and and there you go. Um, but the good news about that, Magnus Carlsen being eliminated, means that he finally accepted our offer now this has been under wraps for like literally the better part of eight months more than six months it has been we invited magnus carlson to play in the chess.com isle of man international open i know that's a mouthful but stay with me it all means something the um, i o m i there you go uh the the, the chess.com isle of man international is um, is is now officially? It already really was, but it is now officially the world's strongest open chess tournament. 
Um, there's a link in the show notes here to our tweet announcing it. It actually just happened today on the day of us recording this uh, podcast. That That's no joke. Um, hot breaking so, news here on Blunders. Hot breaking news. Yeah, I mean, it, now, less than 12 it's hours ago. It's an so, open event? Exactly. So that's that's a good question. The semantics of an open versus a closed event. Even the World Cup with 100 and X players is a closed event because all of them got there via some sort of invitation or qualifying system. Uh, most of the elite chess events that you know of, where Magnus Carlsen and uh, Hikaru Nakamura and Levon Aronian and Maxime Bache the Grav, the big the big names in chess, they all play via invitation. And a closed event is normally a small field. It's the world's best chess players, and um, it's exciting from the aspect that it's going to be the highest quality chess that you can get in, in a small package, right? We talked about the Singfield Cup in St. Louis a, a few months ago, or really just a month ago. But an open event is open to anyone. Anybody can register, which means theoretically anybody can win, which means anybody has a chance to play Magnus Carlsen. So the thing that, that's so exciting about open events, I mean, even our own speed chess championship, which is our, our online kind of chess Super Bowl at chess.com, is a closed event, right? Those guys got there via invitation. But an open event has that sort of allure. I mean, it's, the, it's, it's a big deal that, that the best chess players in the world are playing in open events because history tells us they don't often do that. Like, they have a lot to protect when they're the best players in the world. It would be like Floyd Mayweather accepting an invitation to play in like, okay, maybe there's $100,000 for prize money, right? But okay, like he just gets, a, he gets $150 million when he's invited to play like a one-on-one -on -one event. He's not going to try to beat several people to get to the finals in like a week-long boxing tournament, right? So it's really a cool deal. We invited him and uh, him, uh, Magnus, along with many of the best players in the world will be playing in our open event. And we love it because we, you know, chess.com, we consider ourselves the, uh, the chess website for the masses and more people play on our site than anywhere in the world, so we're really happy to be a part of it. The Isle of Man International has existed for a few years before Chess.com put our put its name on it, before we were able to kind of make it the Chess.com Isle of Man International. But it is officially the world's strongest open chess tournament, like, ever. And um, pretty exciting news. So that that's kind of what's going on in the chess world right now. It takes place at the end of this month, September, the end of September to the beginning of October, September 25th through, like, October 1st, kind of. And... Um, and we're really excited. So there you go. That's the difference between an open and a closed event. Yeah, that makes sense. That That's pretty awesome, though. And is it truly like a tiny little... Is, is Isle of Man, is that like a little island? Oh, dude, yeah. No, you... Not quite a puddle jumper, you know? Not quite a puddle jumper, but pretty small planes, right? There are no direct flights from the States to the Isle of Man. You can fly into Gibraltar. Uh, you can fly into, you know, the UK, you can fly into London, and then they have some direct flights. Um, but it, it, you are flying into the Isle, the Isle of Man, for sure. The Isle of Man. I love it. Yeah, I no, love it, it. it so sounds cool. sexy, right? It does sound sexy. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's so cool. I mean, that, I love when our good man Carl plays any anytime, anywhere. Um, and, you know, I got to say, I was watching a little bit beforehand uh, right now, chess.com slash TV, and Nakamura was crushing the um, the, the engines, the, Komo the right. Komodo fidget spinner dragon engine. <laughs> um, and I need to go watch it back. I just watched a little clip of it because you're like, hey, did you just watch this? Because uh, I don't know if you know Nakamura crushing it. Did he actually beat? Did he beat the engine at all? Or is it no, possible? no, no. He actually lost. He actually lost to the engine, but then he stuck around and played Eric Hansen, who's a 
a very, very strong grandmaster um, and took out a little bit of his frustration because Komodo, Komodo is the world's strongest chess engine. For those who are wondering, you can just Google Komodo chess engine. Um, there's Stockfish, which is open source, so I think it's the most used, but Komodo is the strongest. Um, and uh, we, we hold man versus machine matches. I talked about this in a previous episode. Yeah, and so yeah. Hikaru jumped into the he jumped into the fray and played against Komodo, we, even with odds. He had an extra piece. That tells you how good the engine is, right? Even Hikaru up a piece was unable to get a victory. Um, Hikaru didn't have the best start in the opening, but then he stuck around after losing that game and played Eric Hansen and really just put a hurt on him. And it was there were some games that were just absolutely mind-blowing. And so I asked you because I, I jumped directly from commentary on Chess TV as Hikaru was crushing Hansen. Um, to do this podcast so anyway but it's a lot of fun it, it, the thing I like about as our community is growing Matsi is is we get more of these impromptu kind of like really fun exciting sessions right as we continue to do really cool stuff um, and just be fortunate to have the relationships with some of the world's best chess players that we do we get to actually have br- actual breaking news like Magnus Carlsen playing yeah. in an open chess tournament he hasn't played uh, okay it, not to say he hasn't played any I actually don't know that how, what opens would he have played? This might, Is this the first open tournament Magnus Carlsen has played since becoming world champion? Open tournaments are not on world champions' chess schedules. So I know it's weird to be talking so much chess. We talked a lot of coffee earlier. We've talked Apple Tech. But for those of you who don't realize it's kind of a big deal, it's kind of a big deal, right? Hey, it's like, hey, I'm Magnus Carlsen. Yeah, kind of a big deal, that kind of thing. You know, I mean, it, playing an open tournament is not something that they have on their schedule more than once a year, if any. So, um, impromptu stuff happening in the chess world, baby girl. I love it. It's happening. I love it. I love it. That, that's what happens. And I actually had an impromptu. I've had multiple just impromptu chess. I'm still playing on the chess.com. I don't know if you know. I'm currently in a Sicilian yep. defense open um, Nadjdorf variation <laughs> currently <laughs> with uh, my man, Bobby uh, Talporov, who's a diamond member. As am I. You should tell him. Tell him you mentioned him on the podcast. Oh, Go ahead, in, the, in the game chat. And as we were playing, and I was pushing my pawns in front of my king, he hmm. mentioned that I should ask. When I ask, and I am, when is it good and or bad to push your pawns in front of your king? And maybe you could also describe what it means to push your pawns in front of your king. Okay, so. First of all, this that was awesome. Uh, uh, the only chess correction of everything you just said, which is really great, is it's Nydorf. The J is kind of like an I. Um, it's it's Polish um, Nydorf, not Ni- not Nijdorf, Najdorf. Um, so that I know you appreciate that. So it's Nydorf. It's the Sicilian Nydorf defense. Yep. Um, but um, it, it's it's usually frowned upon. Okay. It's it's. Uh, in most circumstances, especially for players at the beginning level, pushing your pawns in front of your king is normally frowned upon. So let me back this thing up and explain for those users as you requested. What does that mean? So the pawns are the little guys. Everyone knows this, even if you don't play chess. Pawns are the little guys. And normally the pawns are are, are key in the sense that uh, they provide a safety net. On their original squares, they're harder for other pieces to reach, right? They're they're all the way back on the second or seventh rank. And so as you keep your king behind the pawns, the pawns serve as protection. And so the thing about chess that is is one of the most concrete, almost the the biggest like uh 
backbone to the game. The soul of the game is based on the pawns because they are actually the only pieces that cannot move backwards, meaning every decision you make with a pawn is permanent. So the squares it leaves behind, uh, how far it goes can never go back. Pawns can never retreat, never surrender. So pushing pawns in front of your king is different than like you have a knight in front of your king and maybe he goes on a little journey and maneuvers, tries to go take a piece. Okay, that fails. Let me back that thing up in front of my king and keep the knight there. When you push the pawns, you are permanently creating open lines, open squares, open access points in front of your king. So there are, there are very rare situations where it works. One of the situations where it works is when the position is very closed. That means the pawns that are in the center of the board are locked up. Like they're, they're in a tight lock they're, and they can't go anywhere. So there's less access. Inherently in closed positions, you're not going to see a piece from one side of the board swing in one move to another side of the board and at least be doing something effective. It just doesn't happen because the position is closed. It's more maneuvering. In some of those cases, you can get away with this type of chess sin of opening your king because if you had good reason to do it, it, and you did it, they may not have immediate means to punish you for pushing pawns in front of your king. All the things I said still apply. It's still very risky. It still is something you can never undo. Pawns can't go back. But it, it does work in, the, in closed center positions. Um, in other cases, it might work if both you and your opponent's king are on one side of the board and kind of you're both doing it, right? Like you're both into it. It's like, hey, if that's what you're into, we can both push our kingside pawns. Hashtag Flight of the Concords reference, right? Everyone's doing it. So those are kind of the cases, but otherwise, I don't, you know, again, I don't even know this exact position you're at. You're asking about with Bobby, Bobby, Bobby T, our man Bobby T, who now has a nickname. Bobby T. Um, main man. But hopefully, does that general advice help? What are your questions after that uh, explanation? I think it's pretty good. I think what happened was I think that I I did that move where I swapped the the rook and the king. I, I did that swap a You know, when you swap them, you, you do the right. Yeah, it's called castling. Yeah, when you when you, when, you, <laughs> yeah. when you take that castle piece and you swap it with the king. Can piece. we change castling to the swaparoo? The swaparoo. The kings and rooks swaparoo. I love that. I'm gonna start calling it that. The the king and the rook they swap, and then you you swap them, <laughs> and uh, and then I think what happened is I was in a nice little area because I think I had pushed some pieces up pretty early on in the center of the board because you're doing some right. sort of defense or whatever but then i swapped them and then i think i started moving pieces immediately that were in front of my right now protected king to be no longer right. protected so you, you swapped like you swapped later. and then you flip-flopped no i swapped and flip-flopped <laughs> i swap a rude and flip a dude um Okay, that makes sense, and it also is something that That's bad. Uh, stronger players or more experienced players will think about where they're going to do that swap, that swap a doodle with the king and rook, uh, but you know, along with what their plan is for pawn expansion before they do it, right? So you, you know, that's another good motivating factor to kind of really try to push yourself to think ahead, in the sense that. You know, if you advance a bunch of pawns where your rook is, you wouldn't swap king and rook on that side of the board anymore because now you're putting your king into kind of a, you know, the emperor has no clothes over there. You know, he's naked. You might swap a doodle on the other side of the board, right? Um, and, and so, again, generally, it is, even at the highest levels, it is always risky. But they maybe understand the other dynamic imbalances that make such a risk worth it, right? But it is never 
a, a decision you do lightly, pushing pawns in front of your king, opening up diagonals and files and squares in front of your king. So, so if that's kind of what happened and if that kind of backfires in this game, it is a good lesson about where you want to do that swap Um and uh, and how you want to how you want to treat your pawns in front of your leader, the king. Yeah, I sent you I sent you the game, and I'm now I'm playing it back in my mind, and I think what had occurred here is as I'm doing the analysis on this game is that I started playing kind of my traditional move, setting up a nice little defense, and then I moved um, um, pawn h6, so from h7 to h6, to essentially to start kind of blocking his little bishop over here. Right, now I had not swap a root. Right, right. that's not, not a, a bad idea. Not a bad move. This is move, uh, I don't know, five or six or seven. And now at this point, I had already moved for some ungodly reason a7 to a6. So now actually both sides of my board have a pawn that has moved up. He's just like tingling. He's just like, you know, doing a little mingle dance because he didn't want to go the full two steps. He just wanted to do the one, one step, not the one two step. And then I decided why mm -hmm. not at some point because he, he castled that I'll castle. You can start to see where this is going awry as you start to move through as uh, as we start to then swap yeah. so then what happened is i started to he yeah. started to swap pieces with me on the left side of the board so the the h side of the board actually because i'm i was black in this instance so he starts to swap pieces and i start to swap pieces i'm like oh let's all swap pieces and now there are files just open it is just like hey how you doing right. um the whole board is open that's so what happened Things were going fine in this game um, right about until move 11, until you did castle. So you have great, you know, your post-game review is pretty much spot on. And even though g5 was, was frowned upon on move 12 because you opened up pawns, uh, you pushed pawns in front of your king, you were already kind of under the gun with that pawn storm. He's got three pawns on g4 and f4 and e4 coming at you, and you're a little nervous, right? You know, really... Um, Black needs to try to put more pressure. Like on move 11, you want to look for moves like b5 or or moves like knight c5. You want to try to get counterplay on the queen side before you put the king in such such a clear and and uh, present path to danger. So this was this was good stuff. And I, I also commend you for taking on Bobby Telparov because he's a 1700 rated player. I mean, I'm looking at this game and he's he's not a slouch, right? I mean, this guy's a little bit like out of your league at this point in your chess career, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you get better, right? But um, but this is good stuff. I like it, and and your yep. instincts are are right along the lines of of a potentially good chess player here someday. I'm James. I love this. I love it. And by the way, the Sicilian Nightorf also a personal yeah. fave of yours truly. So you're right on the path there, buddy. I mean, I don't want to call you a prodigy just yet, but Carl Carl would be proud. Carl would be proud of this. Yeah. And also, I identified right around, I want to say right around 15th, 16th yeah. move. I go, eh, it's not, it's, it's, something's happening. I, I, I can see ideal. it. You know, you have that feeling. You're just like, eh, something bad's happening. The scientific term for your king side is less than ideal it was at that point. So Less than ideal. All right. Yeah. I think that's it. Did we crush it? Crushed it. I think we crushed it. You know, this was a great, a fun episode for me. I enjoyed our extra time talking about coffee earlier, um, and it's. I felt like I almost contributed to that coffee conversation. I think so you that did. was. You I don't know. So I, that's my takeaway of today's show. Um, so for me, I love it. 
I love it. Well, if you want to challenge me on chess.com, you can. James Montemagno is my name. I will lose against you or beat you. It really depends on the day. <laughs> it, it's a, really a 50-50 chance if I win or lose if we're both equally ranked and the same right. player. Um, right. <laughs> I think think that's about it. Um, Check out the review of the December coffee dripper. You can't buy one yet, but me and Danny have one. That's That's right. right. We have it. We're ahead of the game. You buy it eventually, and we'll link to it, and we'll let you know when it goes live. I don't know, buddy. Um, What else? Follow us on Twitter. You know it. Follow us all those places where you follow people, and I think you – you're going to be building quite the chess following for yourself here. I, if I was listening to this podcast, I'd want to get in on that James action. Get in on this James action. Um, that would be, that'd be, yeah, go for it. You can challenge me up and watch Danny on chess.com slash TV because he's absolutely hilarious with his amazing French accents. <laughs> That's the one accent I literally cannot do. I was made fun for today. So uh, French accents are... They're beyond my current skill set. I'm going to work on that and uh, hopefully deliver something good. It, it is hard to do it well. Like, I feel like I can, you know, I can bust out, like, some sort of obnoxious French phrase and try to go over the top. I want to do it well. I feel like the other accents I do it well where they're like, wait, is that Danny or is that Uncle Sasha from the borders of Crimea, you know, where Russia meets Ukraine? I, I, that's what I want people to think. So, yeah, you know. That's what they expect. That's what the, That's what they deserve. Right. They deserve the best from you, Danny. So I expect nothing less. <laughs> I haven't deserved half the gifts I've gotten for you, but from you. But I'm so thankful for my coffee setup and so thankful for the podcast. So love you and love all of our fans. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, can't wait. I'll see you next week. All right. See you, buddy.